Hi everybody, it's Steve Weir, Grace Point's Pastor of Arts and Communication, and I'm here to say welcome, or welcome back, to the Grace Point Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast via iTunes or on our YouTube channel. Feel free to check out our website for all the latest information about everything going on here at Grace Point. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step toward becoming a fully committed follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. Uh, we do have an, an important topic to talk about here this morning. And I'm, I'm sensitive to the fact that many, many people in this room, I'm sure, are touched in some way by, by this issue. And so I wanna, I wanna bridge into the issue in this way. I wanna give you one fact and then ask you a question. The fact is this, um, the leading cause of death in people t- ages 10 to 34 is accidental injury. Okay, that's, that's the leading cause for 10 to, to 34. Uh, what do you think the second leading cause of death is? And of course, I mean, we've kind of tipped, tipped our hand to that. If you can believe this, the second leading cause of death is suicide for ages uh, 10 to 14 and 25 to 34. It's the third leading cause of death for 15 to 24. I think we should pause for just a moment and let that sink in because that that is absolutely staggering. Um, To think about a 10-year-old, the second leading cause of death for a 10-year-old is to take their own life. I can't even imagine how a 10-year-old would know how to do that or be thinking about that. And so those numbers do not even include people who are struggling with depression, who may be struggling with with thoughts of suicide. Maybe some of you here this morning, just because we're in church, that doesn't make us exempt from from mental health issues or, or depression. You may be here for the first time this morning. You may think, man, nobody else in this room would ever be struggling with that, but, but you would be wrong because uh, it, it's, it's pervasive. This morning, we're gonna look at God's perspective on suicide. And more importantly than that, we're gonna look at God's compassionate alternative to suicide, which is all about pursuing life and how we go about that. If you would take a Bible and turn with me to 1 Samuel 31. We are going to finish up this series that uh, has has taken us most of the summer uh, where we've been studying the second half of the book of 1 Samuel. Most of it has been about David, and so that is why we called the series Beloved uh, because the name David means beloved. But as you know, if you've been with us, we've kind of shifted back and forth through the study between David and King Saul. Um, Last week, we looked at David. And, and Steve led us through a study. You, you may remember that David, as he's been running from Saul now for years and years, ran to the Philistines, the enemies of, of the Israelites. He ran to the Philistines, lived there for a number of years. And the Philistines came to a point where they were declaring war on Israel. They were going to battle. And so David is expecting to go and fight with the Philistines against his own people 
But some of the Philistine commanders say, wait, 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 this, this doesn't make sense. We don't want David fighting. He's probably going to turn in the middle of the battle and turn against us. And so he's basically booted out from the Philistine army and returns to the town that he has been living in, he and his men and their families, the town of Ziklag, only to find that it has been raided. And all of their, their wives, their, their families, their children, animals, everything has been taken. And so David went after them, recovered everything. God gave him success once again, um, many times over in his life. Steve reminded us last week that um, our darkest days are the best days for God's glory to, to shine. And so that was last week, all about David. Today, the focus shifts back to Saul one last time. Chapter 31, verse one. Now the Philistines were fighting against Israel and the men of Israel fled before the Philistines and fell slain on Mount Gilboa. And the Philistines overtook Saul and his sons and the Philistines struck down Jonathan and Abinadab and Malchishua, the sons of Saul. The battle pressed hard against Saul and the archers found him and he was badly wounded by the archers. Then Saul said to his armor bearer, draw your sword and thrust me through with it lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and mistreat me. But his armor bearer would not for he feared greatly. Therefore, Saul took his own sword and fell upon it. And when his armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he also fell upon his sword and died with him. Thus, and then this is a summary, very sad summary verse. Thus Saul, Saul died and his three sons and his armor bearer and all his men on the same day together. And when the men of Israel who were on the other side of the valley and those beyond the Jordan saw that the men of Israel had fled and that Saul and his sons were dead, they abandoned their cities and fled and the Philistines came and lived in them. This is a tragic day for Israel. Um, but the narrator here zooms in on Saul. Saul has a tragic end here. After he started with such such promise. Um, if we were holding a funeral for Saul, we might quote uh, this, this as part of his obituary from 1 Samuel chapter 14. We'll put this up on the screen. When Saul had taken the kingship over Israel, he fought against all his enemies on every side, against Moab, against the Ammonites, against Edom, against the kings of Zobah, and against the Philistines. Wherever he turned, he routed them, and he did valiantly and struck the Amalekites and delivered Israel out of the hands of those who plundered them. He had some success on behalf of his people. He delivered them from, from their enemies. So there, was, there were some highlights. Those were the things that we would share at a, at a funeral service. But as we know, Saul's story was not all good. First Chronicle 10, First Chronicles 10 summarizes how Saul crashed and burned. So Saul died for his breach of faith. He broke faith with the Lord in that he did not keep the command of the Lord and also consulted a medium seeking guidance. He did not seek guidance from the Lord. Therefore, the Lord put him to death and turned the kingdom over to David, the son of Jesse. So this sad list tells us at least three ways not to live. So first of all, don't 
not keep the command of the Lord. That's the first thing that's listed here. He broke faith with the Lord and that he didn't keep his command. God does not tolerate our tolerance for disobedience. I mean, Saul argued that he had, he had kept God's command. I mean, he had kept like 90% of it, maybe even 95% of it. But even when confronted, he, he refused to acknowledge that he had been disobedient. So God doesn't tolerate our tolerance for disobedience. But thankfully, God is always open to our repentance, which unfortunately we never see. In, in Saul. Saul just argues and defends himself. But, but God's ear is always turned to those who, who are repentant. If you were here two weeks ago when, when Saul went to visit the, the medium, we, we said that that week that when we stopped listening, answers stopped coming. And I want to clarify something if, if you were listening to that and think, well, maybe, maybe I can turn away to the extent that God won't listen to me anymore. God's ears are always tuned to repentance. I mean, if we stop listening to what God has said to us already, he's not going to keep pushing himself on us. He's not going to push himself into our face. But, and so if we choose to go on our way, he's going to let us do that. But he is always listening always ready to receive a repentant heart back. So, so the first thing to not do from Saul's story is don't not keep the command of the Lord. The second thing, pretty clear, don't consult a medium for guidance. We talked about that extensively a couple of weeks ago. Don't, don't consult the dead on behalf of the living. Why would you do that? And then thirdly, don't not seek guidance from the Lord. That's, that's what Chronicles tells us. Saul didn't seek guidance. We do see Saul at times asking the Lord, but it's, it's like a very quick, flippant, God, what should I do in desperation? And there's no pursuit. I mean, when he doesn't get an immediate answer, he just starts running to other sources. And so he, he teaches us in that way how not to live. He also teaches us how not to die here in chapter 31, verse 4. Saul said to Saul was wounded. He said to his armor bearer, "Draw your sword and thrust me through with it. So assist me in dying. Assist my suicide, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and mistreat me." But his armor bearer would not, for he feared greatly. Therefore, Saul took his own sword, and and fell upon it. Uh, one commentary noted this: Saul faced death as he faced life. He took matters into his own hands and didn't consult God. And so the lesson that we learn from Saul here is don't die by yourself. Don't die by yourself. I, I mean those four words in two different ways. First of all, don't die by your own hand. And, and don't ask assistance or don't give assistance to someone else who is asking for it. Some of you may have seen the story in the news just this past week from Canada. In Canada, uh, medically assisted suicide is becoming more and more common. There was a 23-year-old young man who had diabetes, had lost his sight over the summer, had contracted and, and was on a trajectory to receive medically assisted suicide when his mom found out about it and intervened and interrupted that process. 
but that's becoming more and more common there. It's probably gonna become more and more common here. Why wouldn't we want to help someone who is in desperate straits, who may be in, in deep pain and, and suffering? I mean, Saul is in deep pain here. And he is facing, notice he says, I don't want these, I don't want my enemies to come and thrust me through and mistreat me. I mean, he's, he's facing the very real possibility of, of torture because here's an enemy nation coming against him. What better trophy than to parade the king of your enemy nation and abuse him in front of everyone? And he says, I can't face that. Would you just put me to death right now? I mean, it, it was kind of understandable that he would want to take this, this route out. But why, why is that not the right option? Why is it not the right option to take our own life or to help someone else? Let me start with the wrong answer to that question and clarify a couple of things. The wrong answer to that question is we don't commit suicide or help someone else to do so because that is a ticket straight to hell, okay? There is... Uh, there is one unforgivable sin listed in Scripture, and it's not suicide. So Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 12. He says, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. There's a lot of theories, interpretations of what exactly Jesus means by this. The interpretation that makes the most sense to me from the context of these verses and from the rest of the teaching of Scripture is that Jesus is referring to the fact that the, the Holy Spirit is the one whose work is to convict each one of us, first of all, of sin, and then of our need for a Savior, that Jesus is the one who provides forgiveness from our sin. And then as we enter into that faith and that belief, the Holy Spirit regenerates us, give, gives us new life. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. If we reject that work, if we blaspheme the work of the Spirit and say there's some other way for me to have eternal life or forgiveness of sins, then we've rejected the only source there is. And so we've, we have condemned ourselves to an eternity apart from God. As, as Peter said in another place, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. The Holy Spirit is our only source of, of life and forgiveness through Christ. And so, so that is, this is not talking about committing suicide. Another passage that people sometimes look to and say that this says that um, suicide sends us to hell is 1 Corinthians 3, which says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. And so the thinking is, if you destroy this temple that God lives in, then God is gonna reject you. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. People who use this passage to teach that suicide gives us eternal separation from God, this is a classic case of taking a verse out of context. If you take a verse out of context, you can find verses to say whatever you wanna say if you rip them out of their context and if you don't have any understanding of, of the original language. The, in, in the Greek, the you here is plural. 
do you all not know that you all are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you all together collectively? This, this particular verse is talking about the church. It's speaking to the church. If anyone destroys that temple, God will destroy him. The context of 1 Corinthians 3 is all about division in the church. It's all about tearing the church apart by sowing division between factions and people. So if you destroy the church, it says God will reject you. This is not what we're to be about, is, is sowing division in the church for God's temple is holy. And you all collectively together are that temple. This passage has nothing to do with, with suicide. So I'm sure, <coughs> I'm sure that those who teach that suicide send someone to hell are well-meaning because they want to instill a level of of fear. I mean, we don't want someone to commit suicide, but my experience is that fear is not the best motivator for us to do what is right. The best motivator for us to do what is right is faith. And so here is the reason to not commit suicide. It is because you are not your own. You you belong to God. Your body belongs to God. David wrote this in Psalm 139, beautiful depiction of our personal connection to God. He said, God, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. So God has a book that details the number of days of your life. And here's the thing that you need to know. That book is not your book. So the number of days for your life is not your decision and it's not the decision of anybody else around you. It is God's decision. And we entrust ourselves into his hands, even in suffering, even in the unknown, especially in suffering, especially in the unknown, we entrust ourselves into his hands. Bob Deffenbaugh is a pastor and author. He said this, let us not seek to escape what God gives us to endure. It's not for us to decide. There's only one thing that sends us to hell when we die. That is a rejection of the forgiveness of Christ that he offers to us in the new life that comes through the Holy Spirit. And that is a decision about how we live, which brings me to the second meaning of this phrase, don't die by yourself. And the second meaning of this phrase is, don't live, don't die apart from God's presence. Don't die apart from God's presence with you. Saul didn't live his life in God's presence. And so when he died, he died apart from God's presence. If you notice here in 1 Samuel 31, as Saul is wounded and contemplating what to do here, there's no prayer. There's no crying out to God. There's no asking for for guidance. And and here is where we once again contrast Saul with, with David. Some of you who were here last week will will remember this from 1 Samuel 30. When when David found that the town had been ransacked, he inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue after this band? Shall I overtake them? 
And God answered him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake and shall surely rescue. We see David doing this over and over and over again in his life, asking for God's guidance, asking for God's direction. See, if, if you and I live every day and every moment in God's presence, then when our final day comes and our final moment comes, we're already used to being in God's presence and we're already used to seeking him and, and seeking his guidance, seeking his comfort. Jesus told us, ask and it'll be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. And those, those verbs are in the present tense, so it could be accurately translated. Keep on asking and it will be given. Keep on Seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open. So don't give up too soon. I mean, that's what Saul did. Saul asked this question and then he didn't get an answer immediately, so he moved on. And I think sometimes God waits to give us an answer, which is painstaking for us because we want the answer like immediately, right? I think sometimes God waits because he wants to see how committed are you? How desperate are you to come to me and not give up and not turn somewhere else. Jesus said, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. More in a moment about how we live and die with hope, but first I wanna just finish out this narrative. Heads up, it gets worse, but then it gets better, all right? Verse eight. <laughs> the next day when the Philistines came to strip the slain, they found Saul and his three sons fallen on Mount Gilboa, so they cut off his head, stripped off his armor, and sent messengers throughout the land of the Philistines to carry the good news to the house of their idols and to the temple. They put his armor in the temple of Ashtoreth, one of their gods, and they fastened his body to the wall of Beth Shan. There's so much for him not being made a mockery of. Verse 11 here things start to look up just a little bit. But when the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead heard what the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men arose and went all night and took the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Beth Shan. And they came to Jabesh and burned them there. And they took their bones and buried them under the tamarisk tree in Jabesh and fasted for seven days. So they are at least giving some honor to Saul and his sons at the end. To fully appreciate this, we need to understand that Saul had rescued this town of Jabesh Gilead. We didn't study that part. That was back, you can read back about that in 1 Samuel chapter 11. One of Saul's early successes, this little town of Jabesh Gilead was under threat from a neighboring country. They were actually threatening to come gouge out one of their eyes, each person's eye, and then make them slaves. And they, were, they ran to Saul, and they're like, please help us. And Saul mustered thousands of troops, and they, they went and saved this little town, and this little town didn't forget. With all of Saul's foibles and mistakes and failures, they still were loyal to him and honored him. And this is really a beautiful example to us that any person who passes is worthy of a measure of, of dignity, despite whatever their life may have looked like. Each person is made, we're, we're told, in the image of God and deserves a measure of dignity. So 
Let that guide you if you're planning a service for someone in your family that maybe wasn't the easiest to get along with, that it's still a good thing to honor them before the Lord. So ends 1 Samuel, and so ends the reign of Saul, and David's reign begins in 2 Samuel. Actually, you should know that the division between 1 and 2 Samuel is really artificial Um, The original book was just the book of Samuel. And when it was translated into the Greek, they added vowels into it, and it was too long for one scroll. So they had to put it in and divide it into two scrolls. This is a natural place to divide it because of the end of Saul's reign. And the lesson, and, and so David's reign begins. We'll save that for another year. We'll come back to him. But the lesson from Saul's final chapter is don't die by yourself. Don't die by your own hand and don't die apart from God's presence. I wanna talk now for just a moment about how not to choose suicide. This is particularly for for those who who may be struggling, maybe someone here in this room, maybe someone, one of your, your loved ones. If we live in God's presence, the likelihood is gonna be much higher that we're gonna die in God's presence with the comfort and the peace of God ushering us into the next life. I love this story of the older lady who was on her deathbed and was surrounded by friends. And at one point, someone said, she's sinking fast. And at that, she opened her eyes and said, I'm, I'm not sinking You can't sink through rock. She was standing on the rock of Christ. And some of the most encouraging stories I have heard are from from some of you as you have been with a parent who was passing and they they were able to express the peace of saying, I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to be with with the Lord. And so they've, they've spent many years and you and I have the choice to make, to, to spend many years, even through our suffering and even stepping into the unknown, which stepping into death is, is an unknown for, for all of us. But if we have been practicing that through our life, then death is just one, one more step and we're confident of the Lord's presence with us. There's a reality that we need to acknowledge and, and that is that Christian families, Christ-following individuals or families are not immune to depression, to mental health issues, even, even to issues around suicide. We live in a fallen world, and that fallenness of sin in the world affects everyone in different ways. And unfortunately, this is a deep, difficult way So we should acknowledge this. We should acknowledge that it's okay to not be okay. But don't don't die by yourself. Don't live by yourself. You you don't have to suffer alone. And so I just wanna talk about some, some resources that we have available. You should know, if you don't know this already, that every week we have a pastor on call And so if you reach a crisis point in your life and need to talk with someone, 
our pastors are ready to talk with you, pray with you, and help you get connected to, to resources. If you're part of our Grace Point family and you're connected to one of our ministry leaders here and you have a personal relationship with them, they would be happy to talk with you, to pray with you again, to help you get connected to, to help that you need. Our elders, I mean, they're charged with shepherding our, our church family. They would be privileged to, to walk with you and to know about this. Don't, don't suffer in silence. Don't be too proud to, to ask for help. Um, we also, this morning, just published on our blog, so this is available at, at uh, blog.gracepointpa.org, a list of hotlines and resources. Some are here in our immediate area in Bucks County. Some are, are national and so if you're too shy to come and talk to us, those resources are available. But I hope even if you do reach out in those resources that you would allow us as your family of faith to come alongside and show care and love for you. Even if you're new this morning and you don't even know anybody in, in this room, we care about you because you're made in the image of God. And so we don't know all of your story, but we've all got a story too and, and I'll just close with, with mine because this, is, um, this topic is very personal to me. Um, I've mentioned my, my mom before and uh, my mom was plagued with mental illness um, on multiple occasions. She would say things like, I wish I could just go to sleep and not wake up. And one time in particular, I remember, uh, I was probably 10 years old, she, had, she was in a very deep valley of, of depression and our property backed up to a cornfield and it was wintertime so the corn was all down. But I can remember as a 10 year old standing at the window and watching her walk out through that cornfield and not knowing if I would ever see her alive again. If you haven't experienced that, it's, it's probably hard to recognize the cloud that hangs over your life when you don't know from one day to the next if your parent's gonna be there to take care of you. But that's what I grew up with um, for, for a couple of decades. And um, I reached a point myself, and this was, believe it or not, when, when I was in seminary, where I hit a point where I was under enormous stress, felt under enormous stress, uh, had final exams coming up. Um, we were planning a wedding. Uh, that, that part was wonderful, but it was still, there was stress involved in that. I got a, an upper respiratory infection, and I just, I got to a point where I was like, escape looked really appealing to me. And I can remember a Monday when I was at work composing the letter in my mind that I was gonna leave behind. And I got home from work that day and I, I didn't write the letter out and I didn't make any attempts, but my roommate and my then fiance could tell that something was very wrong. And they took me and checked me into a hospital and I was there for, for almost a week. And that was the beginning of a journey for me that really changed the trajectory of my life and got me the help that I needed to learn how to deal with life, cleared up a bunch of static that I had in my relationship with the Lord. So I got the help that I needed. It also was a lot of work 
that, that I did as well. And I share that with you, um, not to cause you concern about me now. That was almost 30 years ago. And by God's grace, I have not gone back to that dark place. But I share it with you to let you know if you're there now, you're not alone. And that others know what you've been through. And, and others can help with the path for you that there is a reason to live. And you don't have to live alone. You certainly don't have to die alone. And so that's been my prayer for, for anyone listening today who is struggling, um, that you would reach out for that help. Um, for anyone who has a family member that's struggling, we, we want to do whatever we can to come alongside and point you to Christ, who, who is the giver of life. Let's pray. <laughs> Father, we recognize that you are the giver of life. You're the owner of life. It is not uh, our prerogative to decide when our life ends. That is according to you and the days written in, in your book. So Lord, may we surrender ourselves um, at that level to your authority. And Lord, may we be humble enough to reach out for the help that, uh, that you offer and the help that you offer directly, the, the, the help that you offer through your people. Lord, I pray for the person this morning who's listening, who may be running out of, of hope and may be feeling like escape is, is really an appealing option. Lord, I pray against the enemy because the enemy is the one who wants to convince us that death is, is the answer. You are the one who gives life and you offer it to us abundantly. That journey is not a a snap your finger overnight journey, but it is a beautiful journey with you of living uh, with a loving God in a fallen world. And so I just pray for anyone this morning who, who needs that to take a step for help that you give them the courage to do that, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.